you know, I, I worked with a lot of brain injury and stroke survivors one-on-one, you know, folks kind of go through the rehabilitation process. And then when it's over, they're sort of, you know, a little cast adrift. Um, and folks would reach out looking for one-on-one treatment and say like, I, you know, I'm, I'm better, but I'm not better enough to go back to work. Can you help me with my language skills? Can you help me with my cognitive skills to kind of get me there? And somewhere along the line, I was like, you know, the, the gym would be a really good place for a lot of these people um, for so many reasons, um, you know, targeting language and cognition, but also just functional independence. And so I started bringing clients into the gym one-on-one and then it just, it sort of went from there. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Now, in this week's episode, I got to share a conversation with Jenna Murray Rosenthal, who's a speech-language pathologist, certified brain injury specialist, and a CrossFit Level 2 trainer. Jenna saw a big gap between what's typically considered good enough in a traditional rehab setting and the potential of brain injury and stroke survivors to regain more function in their daily lives. So she created a really neat program called Fit to Function Recovery and started training clients in her CrossFit affiliate, and she saw some really incredible results. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of CrossFit for those recovering from cognitive impairments, how the training community can better serve this population, and some resources for those looking to help for themselves or for a loved one. But before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. So with that, I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm excited to be here today with Jenna Murray Rosenthal, who is a founder of Fit to Function Recovery. And I learned about just recently about what you are doing through Invictus Boston and really working with individuals recovering from brain injury and helping them regain a lot of function and get back to their goals and their lives. And so I'm excited to learn more about it. Um, I thought Maybe you could just start by how did you develop an interest in working with this population? Yeah, sure. So um, th- first, thanks for having me. This is this is great. Um, so uh, I'm actually a speech and language pathologist, um, and I've worked in inpatient rehabilitation and acute care hospital life for over a dozen years. And about you know halfway through that career, I found CrossFit and sort of found like, well, hey, this jives a little bit with what I do, which you know, rehabilitation is a lot of, I always say, um, asking individuals to do things that are really hard um, mm-hmm. and coaching them through things that are really difficult to make them better, help them get better and better themselves. And so I thought, you know, I want to coach as well. Um, it really fits with what I'm doing in a whole different way. And in the ensuing years, I, you know, I, I worked with a lot of brain injury and stroke survivors one-on-one, you know, folks kind of go through the rehabilitation process. And then when it's over, they're sort of, you know, a little cast adrift. Um, and folks would reach out looking for one-on-one treatment and say like, I, you know, I'm, I'm better, but I'm not better enough to go back to work. Can you help me with my language skills? Can you help me with my cognitive skills to kind of get me there? And somewhere along the line, I was like, you know, the, the gym would be a really good place for a lot of these people, um, for so many reasons, um, you know, targeting language and cognition, but also just functional independence. And so I started bringing clients into the gym one-on-one and then it just, it sort of went from there. That's amazing. Now, how did you decide to go into speech and language pathology in the first place? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I worked with 
kids. I was a teacher and I actually sort of fell in love with the autism population. Um, I was a one-on-one aide for a kiddo with autism for a while. And I, I met a speech pathologist in a school who was running a social skills lesson. And it was a fake ice cream shop. Um, and all the kids had to come in and practice their social skills, kind of ordering and talking and whatnot. And I was like, that is really great. That is what I want to do. Um, and I applied to grad school. I wrote all my entrance exams about the autism spectrum disorder and, and that population. And then uh, for my adult clinical placement, I ended up at Spalding on the brain injury unit. And within a week, I was like, this is what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> um, and I and I never looked back. It's just mm-hmm. something about, you know, I spent a lot of time working with kids and I love working with children. Um, but they're sort of held to a higher standard and that there's all these norms that we expect people to be um, mm-hmm. and, and things they needed to achieve. And one of the things I loved about working with adults was that the goal is getting you back to you. Mm. Um, and the norms were established based on who you were and what you wanted and, and your personal goals. And that kind of drove me forward. And I think with brain injury, you get so, so much of what we do. We do speech and language and swallowing and cognition and voicing and swallowing and breathing and all of these things that you could, a traumatic brain injury might result in kind of one area of need there or, or all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just liked the, the variation in the population. That's amazing. And I can see you know, I wouldn't initially have thought of the overlap between that and CrossFit, but the the way that you explain it, it's very obvious. It's how you can apply CrossFit to anything in life. It's doing hard things and coaching people through it. How did you first get into CrossFit? What was your athletic background before? What attracted you to it? Yeah. uh, So I, you know, I played sports when I was younger. I played division three sports in college. Um, I was always sort of like an overweight kid and I really loved sports, but I wasn't really great at them. Um, I sort of just had, what's that? What sports did you play? Oh, um, I played soccer, basketball and softball. Um, basketball was my favorite, but I was a little on the heavy side, not fast and not very tall. Like I'm (laughs) almost, I'm five, six, five, seven, which kind of puts you in that middle range of like, you're, if you're not fast enough to be a guard, you're not quite tall enough to be a forward. Um, and so I loved it. And I, you know, all the sports I played, I just did with a hundred percent effort. And I sort Mm -hmm. of was like, I'll just try as hard as possible, um, to be the best that I can. And after college fell off and sports just you know, team sort of uh, intramural sports rather didn't quite do the trick because unless you're a hot shot superstar, it's hard to have as much fun because I was kind of a team player. And then uh, found a CrossFit in our area after multiple attempts at fitness and immediately was like, this is what I love. The everyday challenge, the community, kind of the team aspect. It was like, uh, there were just so many things there that really filled that sports void for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that too. It's so hard to go from that team environment or having a coach, having to practice every day to just figuring it out on your own. And I definitely felt that when I found CrossFit too. Yeah. The like shared goal of kind of what you're accomplishing, you know, that there's a challenge every day, but you're also sort of all Mm -hmm. seeking something and you're all supporting one another that really kind of fit the bill. And also just as an athlete, I'm so used to you go to practice and somebody just tells you what to do and you get your exercise by somebody saying, I'm like, you want me to run sprints? I will run them all day but left to my own devices, I could never figure that out. And then CrossFit, I was like, great, 60 minutes, you're going to tell me exactly what to do and I'm going to get the work done. Totally, just take the decision-making out of it and let someone yeah. else know what to do. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, I've, you know, sorry, I was just going to say I've always loved teaching and part of, I'm a professor as well as a speech pathologist. And I think one of the things that I was really fascinated with really quickly within the CrossFit realm is how much there is to learn in each skill. It's not just fitness. It's like, if you want to get good at a certain thing, you got to learn the technique and you've got to practice and you got to break it down and build it back up again, which 
fits with cognitive rehab and fits with teaching. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to teach people how to do this too. That's amazing. So I've seen you share the statistic from the CDC that there's 5.3 million individuals living with a disability as a result of a brain injury. So that's a lot of people. Um, but you also talk a lot about the limitations of our current healthcare system and insurance system and helping get these people what they need to really regain function and get back into their lives the way that they might want to. And so could you just take us through sort of how, how the traditional sort of trajectory works for someone who may suffer from a brain injury and then what happens as they go through the recovery process through the insurance system? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, insurance is a, is sort of a tricky beast and, and everyone's trajectory, unfortunately, is a little bit different based on what kind of insurance they have or, or maybe if they don't have any. But, you know, the way the kind of general way it works is you have your injury, your stroke or your traumatic brain injury and you're hospitalized. And in the hospital setting, you're, you know, the physicians are sort of caring for your acute needs, but also the rehabilitation team is is right there at the beginning. So your physical therapist, your occupational therapist and your speech therapist, um, which were sort of the lesser known of that group. Um, but early on, it's our job to help prognosticate, help figure out what do you need in terms of your communication capabilities to kind of get back to everyday function. What's your attention and memory like? Can you be safe at home? Will you remember not to, you know, turn the stove on and walk out the door? Um, and swallowing is a part of that too. So, so in the early phases, the rehab team is there helping to say, okay, what do you do next? Where do you go? And that, you know, from there, once you're quote medically ready and stable enough to leave a hospital, a lot of folks will go to an inpatient rehabilitation hospital. So still a hospital, still um, requiring some medical care, but not quite as, as much. And the focus there is really on your rehabilitation. So, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, where they're sort of driving, okay, how can we get you as independent as possible with the way you move and the way you think to get you home? Now that doesn't work for everyone. Some folks can't get home from there. Um, and if your insurance will cover the stay, you'll stay there for as long as possible and then maybe go to what we call step down, which could be a skilled nursing facility. Um, and hopefully you'll get home from there, but that's not true for everyone. Um, and for folks who maybe don't need the skilled level of the skilled nursing, they might go home and have outpatient rehabilitation. So you go to an office, you get your therapy or in-home care. Um, and sort of the experience varies, like I said, based on your insurance and your family support and who can help take care of you and who can help you recover. And a lot of it, you know, insurance is really driven by your progress, by your potential for progress. And so it relies a lot upon the, these therapists, OT, PT, and speech to say, what are the goals? Where do we think we can get you to? And how long will that take? And then unfortunately, rehab kind of gets to decide what's good enough. I mean, not rehab, insurance decides what's good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and often, unfortunately, for individuals, this is like, okay, you've had this major brain injury and now you can walk again. Great, you don't need physical therapy anymore. Mm -hmm. Now you can talk in short sentences, you're good. And now we meet people who are former athletes, former CEOs, you know, people who are teachers who speaking is their, their life and good enough is not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of that's where my concept kind of came to be, but yeah, that, uh, hopefully that answers the question. It can, it can be varied. And some people come into the hospital, have their injury and they don't even need a rehab stay. They might go straight home and go to their outpatient therapy from there. Mm -hmm. Depends. Yeah. When you were talking and just reminding me of our sickness, wellness, fitness continuum and CrossFit, right. It's, yep. you know, the, the insurance system's really good at focusing on getting people well. 
um, you know, and whether that's through medications or um, whether it's just getting people into a range that's considered quote unquote normal or good enough when we have this whole other side of the spectrum towards fitness that it can help us reach our full potential. And the healthcare system definitely isn't structured in order to be able to help us do that. But it can be really frustrating for someone um, making that transition between, you know, being good enough, but then knowing how do I get from here to fitness? Um, And it's not something that, you know, unless you have someone to kind of hold your hand and walk you through that process, which is what I think CrossFit does for so many people. Absolutely. Um, But it's obviously a different um, and more personalized skill set for someone who's recovering from a brain injury, um, that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of resources for people otherwise. So that's why I'm so excited about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talk about that, the sort of fitness wellness continuum the, in all the time with folks. And I say, you know, we want our survivors to be well, you know, they come into the hospital and we talk to them about lifestyle changes, dietary changes, rehab and, and safety. Um, but it sort of stops there. And, and my message has sort of been, why can't we help them be better than well? You know, recovery is, is really hard work and we know that. But in addition to wanting like a better life and recovery for our clients, you know, how much better could their function be when they can kind of move that towards fitness? We know how their brains function better. You know, we all have that experience when you're really tired or maybe you haven't eaten enough or you've had a long day and you suddenly can't find the words you want to say or you, you walk into a room and you're like, what did I come in here for? You know, and you think about if you've had some sort of neurological injury, that is compounded. So we want to help these folks get get to that place where they're better than well. And if we know that fitness can help the brain in so many ways, why wouldn't we want that for everyone? And not to mention that, you know, even folks who suffer from brain injury, I don't know the exact statistic offhand, but individuals who suffer from a brain injury are very likely to suffer from another one. Um, and that's a combination of balance and coordination challenges and insight and reasoning challenges. But if we can get someone a little more steady on their feet, couldn't we maybe help stave off another brain injury? Mm. There's all this potential to get even more, you know, to move that, that needle along that continuum. Build more of a buffer for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And I love, you know, we obviously think of CrossFit as being fitness and physical exercise and there's, you know, tons of benefits for our brains in terms of physical exercise and activity. Um, but you talk a lot too about how with your program and with in general, being in a CrossFit environment, um, being around a community, there's so many other benefits when it comes to cognition and speech and all these other factors that are important for your clients. So can you talk a little bit about that and how, how other factors come into play and helping them recover? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to sort of the speech and language part of it, the language and cognition goal areas, you know, I always tell people that one of my favorite things about rehabilitating language and cognition is that these things are everywhere, right? They're literally involved in every single thing that we do. So, you know, simply when it comes to language, there are all these opportunities in the gym to practice naming things, naming items, naming movements, describing, you know, talking about what you did, um, following directions, answering questions, like from really simple to really complex. So there's this opportunity to work on language for people who maybe now have trouble speaking. You know, some clients are drilling names of movements, or maybe they're remembering the people in the class, or maybe they're just talking about the workout later, and there's all these opportunities. And then when it comes to cognition, it's like, you know, you have to, you have to remember what you're doing within a workout, you have to sequence and you have to organize from movement to movement, you have to pay attention to a lot of stimuli, the coach and the other athletes and the 
you know, the gear and the clock and all of these things while staying safe. Um, and there's reasoning, right? Within a workout, you're sort of making decisions, like you're strategizing. And that's a level of complex reasoning that we do when we do it out loud. But sometimes we do it in our heads, right? I want to put this down before that last rep so that I don't mess that up. So I can, you know, keep, I can optimize for my performance. So there's, there's all these ways to help people better their thinking right within this functional context of something something fun like fitness you know and, and and also like you mentioned community is a huge aspect like a lot of survivors lose their community because you're not you're not working anymore so you maybe lose that cohort um, maybe if you have a language deficit you're not comfortable going out and socializing with your friends because you can't keep up with the conversation a lot of these folks can't drink anymore because of their injury and and just all of the little one by one the sort of social aspects go away and these folks find they don't have a community and you walk into a crossfit gym and there's your community within minutes. Um, and so it's been really powerful. And even my clients, a lot of them right now are one-to-one, but they formed a little community with each other um, on mostly on Instagram and, but they support uh-huh. each other. They comment on the videos, they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. One athlete did a competition and several of them zoomed in so they could watch. I mean, it's just, that's just the power of what CrossFit brings to community. And that's really impactful for individuals recovering. That's really amazing. And especially I can imagine for your clients, you know, it, how isolating it can be just to see other people who are going through a similar journey and how healing that could be as well. Yeah, very much so. It's, it's, so you mentioned that most of them are one-to-one. Can you explain sort of how the process works and, and when they come on and start working with you and, you know, how you customize different plans based on what the person's situation looks like? Yeah. So, you know, I bring folks in just like joining a gym. It's like your first session is a free trial. They come in, we kind of put them through a little movement and language assessment and kind of see where things are at. You know, a lot of these individuals, at least initially, need a little more hands-on support depending on their injury. And it's a lot of just modifying and adapting to make the movements um, fit their profile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they come in, we do one-on-one session. And the goal is sort of, the way I describe it is a one-on-one sort of prolonged onboarding process with the goal of getting individuals into a class eventually. Because I feel like if folks always need to be with me one-on-one, then they're not getting what we really want to get out of this whole shared community experience. Um, that being said, for some people, one-on-one, just like anyone else, personal training is how they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really as simple as that, just kind of modifying you know, to their specific profile and, and seeing their language and cognitive needs. And sometimes um, I can get them to a class and sometimes they're like, no, I think we'd rather <laughs> do this one-on-one, which is also totally fine. Um, I have one client who's in his fifties, his 30 something year old daughter comes and works out with him. Um, oh. So they have a little community, you know, it's all, it's all whatever works for people. Mm-hmm. That's so great. And you have some incredible stories on your Instagram, just highlighting some of your clients. Could you share with, you know, just some of your, um, the stories that come to mind of people and how this has had an impact on them. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite stories to tell is about the individual who kind of uh, started this all for me. That really was the guy that I was like, he really needs to get into a gym. Um, and he was in his forties. He'd suffered a major um, acquired brain injury, had a big brain bleed. And he was a former soccer player, uh, yoga enthusiast, kind of, you know, an athlete. And this big injury left him unable to speak um, and unable to walk, unable to, he didn't have use of his left side essentially. And as he was starting to recover, I was like, we got to get this guy in the gym. And one of the things that was interesting about him was once he started to walk again, he walked as if that left leg, he didn't have function in his hip, but he had full hip flexion on, on testing. 
Um, mm-hmm. So in isolation, it moved. But when he walked, his brain just didn't connect. So we got him into the gym. And within a few sessions, he was squatting to depth, running, box jumping, um, doing all kinds of functional kind of movements that he had thought were long off the table, that running was something he'd never be able to do. And a a couple weeks into it, I got a text message from his wife that said, oh my God, he just helped carry in the groceries (laughs) and put them away. And that is such a big thing for people who just don't engage in everyday tasks anymore because of their injury. And he was really proud of himself. And that's like such a big functional carryover. Totally. Who would have thought, you know, that he'd be so excited to put away groceries. (laughs) Right. But it's like, we forget that like, Hey, you, it's, you can carry things and you can move things around. And he felt steady enough on his feet to do that. Um, but he, he was, he was a good one. Um, I mean, they all have great stories. You know, I have another athlete who, um, has a neurological, he's a degenerative disease. Um, and he was a big time athlete, um, really good at sports all into high, into high school. And he was wheelchair bound by the time he got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, did a little bit of CrossFit in his day and, and, you know, tried to compete a little bit in the adaptive division, but with his neurological, his degenerative disease hasn't been able to do as much. And when I first met him, what he said to me was, he's he's in his mid twenties. He said, I don't want to be in physical therapy for the rest of my life. Mm. And he was like, I want to, I want to do this. Mm. I want to be an athlete again. And what's great with his sessions is that we're, we're able to find a balance between things that are therapeutic from a PT perspective. We stand almost every session just so he holds on to things, but he can get up and stand out of his chair. And then some days we just hit a workout really hard. And, you know, to, so that he's, when it's over, he's like, Oh, you got me good. I can't talk. You know, it was a good workout, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. <laughs> right. but he's been able to build muscle mass, which is counter to medicine based on his disease process. Um, and, you know, he's had some improvements in his heart condition that comes with his disease process. His cardiomyopathy is actually getting better. Um, so there's just all this really powerful impacts for people. Wow. Yes. Exercise is so powerful. So powerful. (laughs) The most powerful drug out there. If it was a drug. Um, so true. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, I, the videos are amazing. I think if, if people are listening and can go check out your Instagram, I definitely would. I know there was a, one of, um, you working with a, young girl. And it's just amazing to see how creative you are and being able to work with people to just to move their bodies in a functional way. Um, which, you know, I don't think you see in any traditional rehab setting. So, yeah, no. And, and she actually, if I can talk about her for a minute too, because she's my Instagram loves her Marina. She's, (laughs) um, and, uh, CrossFit has reposted her a couple of times. I mean, she's, everybody loves Marina is what I always say. And rightly so, because, you know, she's, she's 10 year old, she also suffered a major brain injury, a, a bleed, um, a result of likely an acquired condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about her, she doesn't speak yet. Um, and she doesn't really use her voice even. It's hard for her because of her, um, she has a language disorder, but also an apraxia where she can't coordinate breathing and, and what you need to make your vocal cords move to make voice. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's really interesting about her and really interesting about voice is that a really good way to get people to voice without thinking about it is to grunt and yell. Mm-hmm. And we do that by lifting and heaving and pushing. <laughs> and so we get her in the gym and she's doing kettlebell deadlifts and now barbell deadlifts and you know, ski erg and, and all these things that involve pulling and pushing. And when she does that, her voice comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and from that we've carried over a little bit. She'll count reps when we're doing stuff. So she's moving her lips. She's not always getting the voice and the, and the, 
you know, articulators to move at the same time. But the fact that she can do those two things in such a functional context is, is so great. That's so great. Yeah. It was really cool to watch. Um, so what are you, what would be your dream in terms of being able to use what we're doing in CrossFit and the affiliates that we have all over the world to be able to help bridge this gap from what's possible in sort of our healthcare insurance rehab system to getting people to where they want to be? It's a big question. It is a big question. Um, but it's certainly something I'm thinking about all the time. You know, I, my biggest dream is that I want there to be more access to services like this for people. Um, you know, I get inquiries from folks all over the world and, and I always want to know where can I send them because even without sort of the neuro neuro specialty that I have, you know, I am a firm believer that any good trainer can, can do this, can modify fitness and can change people's lives, which we see in our everyday affiliates all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my goal recently has been sort of to design some training, um, to help give people the tools that they would need to really understand the neuro population. Um, cause I think in some ways there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say fear, but there's a little bit of mystique. You look at brain injury and you're like, Ooh, what do I do here? I don't understand, especially if someone can't communicate well or, um, has, you know, such short-term memory deficits, they don't remember the things you say to them. People sort of like, I don't know how to interact with this person, but at the end of the day, these are just individuals. They're all adults largely who lived a regular life until their injury. And there's no reason we can't pull them back from that. And so I would love to be able to provide the tools to, to other gyms and other trainers to say, Hey, you can do this too. Cause we can change lives. Um, like you said, that statistic is you know, 5.3, you know, million people living with disability from their brain injury. And for some people that's physical and for some people that's only cognitive mm-hmm. and for some it's both. And so there's all these opportunities, I think, just to help people get better, especially particularly where traditional medicine leaves off. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we people, you know, my slogan is better than good enough. So my goal is just how can we get people to that place where they're not just good enough, they're better than good enough. And I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so what, what would you say now if someone emails you that, you know, doesn't live in Boston and they're, they're in this situation and they want more help? Um, what do you, where do you advise them to go or what resources do you guide them to? So my first offer is, you know, I tell people that I'm happy to hop on a call and learn more about their injury profile and see how I might help them virtually followed by if they do have a gym that they're connected with, I'm happy to connect with their coach. I have a client actually in, in Germany who mm-hmm. was a cross, he's a CrossFit coach um, and he suffered a stroke and the head coach there reached out and was like, how can we help him? And so we do sessions together, me and his coach in his gym in Germany, um, you know? Yeah. And so it's sort of first, first and foremost, can I help you in any way right now? If you have a gym, I'm happy to, you know, liaise and talk with your coach or help any coach through the process. And then if folks don't have a gym, I do my best to find reach out to gyms in their area and see if, if anybody um, would be able to take this client on and, and offer them whatever help I can give them. Um, and then from there, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Like, how do I, cause you don't always get responses. And I always tell, you know, this is kind of actually what I said to Austin. It's like, when I travel, I go online and I look at all the gyms and I pick one based on the website, right. Sure, yeah. um, generally, or their class schedule. And, you know, I'm always hesitant. I don't want to send, this is a vulnerable population. So I'm always, I don't want to send them just anywhere. So I go through and I'll email five and maybe you'll hear back from two, you know, mm-hmm. um, as a little aside, but it's sort of that, how do we find the right balance? And so I think what I would, I'm, I'm hoping to do is, is grow a network. Um, but in the interim, I'm just like, Hey, tell me what you need. And I will do my best to find someone to help you. 
Um, and I do have a lot of virtual remote clients for those who can't find a space to go. I just, you know, I have a client in London, I have a client in Italy. I just, we hop on zoom and we, we do the, we do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got, we've got zoom. Everybody's comfortable with that. There's so much you can do. And I love the idea of partnering with someone's local coach in person too, and, and sort of being able to help them feel more comfortable and learn through the process, but, yeah. um, empowering them also. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the adaptive training Academy is such a great thing that, um, I always encourage coaches. It's a one day seminar and you can learn everything you need to know about adapting for seated or single arm or single leg. And, and sometimes with our, you know, neuro population, that means they've got one good arm and one good leg. And so trying to kind of organize things around that, but the modifications are widely applicable and they're not unlike scaling and modifying in a regular class. So I think trying to kind of take away the sort of mystique around that and just say, Hey, like we know how to do this. We know how to work around injuries. It's just taking it a little bit further and, and adding a le- added layer of safety. So just trying to help people feel confident and empowered. That's great. Um, well, I do want to start wrapping up with three questions. I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? CrossFit. Um, <laughs> That's always my answer too. I feel like it kills like three birds with one stone. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. Personally. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I work out mm-hmm. as much as I can during the week and I eat well and I have a nutrition coach and I encourage my clients to eat better because it's also really important for brain health to have good balanced nutrition. Um, and like I spend most of my time taking care of my clients, frankly. Um, I try to sleep well so that I have the energy to do all the things that I need to do. I feel like those are such standard answers, but <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's, <laughs> I think, um, in this, it, for that question, sort of standard and boring, is probably good. It's hard to do the, it's hard to do the, the things that, you know, we all know what's good for our health. I think in general, but it's hard to actually do them every day. Yeah. And, and I tell people like I'm an inpatient clinician still at Mass General. So you know, through working front lines through all of the worst of COVID, you know, I got up every day and I, I worked out first thing. And then I went to the hospital for 10 hour days and, and worked with really sick individuals. And then I came home and laid on the floor or stretched and then got good sleep. And I, and people say, Oh, you're so good. I can't believe you get up and work out. And I would say that's, that's the only way I can do this, you know, because <laughs> right. um, it is so important to take, we always say, we talk about care for the caregivers. Um, so if you're someone who's caring for other people, you got to take care of yourself first in order to be able to do that. Absolutely. Put that oxygen mask on yourself first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about one thing that you think would have an impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Hmm. Um, I think I could do better at disconnecting. Um, a little bit from, um, particularly now as, as running sort of a program where I feel like I'm on social media all the time, cause I'm checking in on everyone. I think I could use to get away from all of the digital in my life. Absolutely. Um, I'm not very good at that. I can be honest. It's such a tough balance. Um, like you said, it's, it's, there's so many important uses for it and it allows us to reach people and, sure. um, communicate with you, like you said, just being able to see some of the stories and the impact that you're having, um, on clients and for them to be able to connect with each other is amazing, but it's, it is one of those things that it's hard to have boundaries with or to have, to figure out how to, um, use it in a healthy way. It's something I know I'm definitely still working through too. So yeah, I think, I think we all probably are. Right. 
Um, and then last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? What does a healthy life look like to me? Uh, you know, I think we throw this word around, but I think a lot of it is about balance, right? Mm -hmm. Time for you, time for the things that are important to you. Um, taking care of others, I think is an important part of just being a balanced individual, mm -hmm. um, you know, eating well, getting sleep, which I know a lot of us don't do. And, and honestly, fitness on any level, I tell people, if you're not going to go work out, that's fine, but please go for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, so I think staying active is just super important in our global health, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, like you said, during this pandemic time, I think it's put a, a focus on how important a lot of those things are uh, for all of us. Yeah, Wonderful. Well, this has been great. I've been, I'm just so excited about what you're doing and I hope that you're able to reach even more people and get more people, you know, give, even give people just the hope and the um, ability to see that there is more than good enough out there. I think for so many people, um, we just accept, you know, it's amazing to see the people who just accept, you know, like, well, my parents have diabetes and had heart disease or this and that happened, or this is what my doctor says is, is good enough. So that's, I guess what it is, but there's so much more, we, we all have so much more potential than that. And so thank you for showing us what's possible, um, for your patients with, with brain injury and for people who are listening, who want to connect, maybe they're also a therapist who's looking to get, be able to do more of this, or maybe there's someone who, is going through a brain injury or family or friend, how would they connect with you? So, um, you know, my Instagram tends to be the most powerful. Um, even though I tell people to email me, they want to chat on Instagram, which is totally <laughs> fine. Um, and that's fit to function recovery, um, which is also my, my email fits function recovery at gmail.com. Um, and I do have a website, but I feel like people don't use websites that much anymore. Um, so, you know, any, any which way that people can find me, I'm happy to help in all of the ways that I can. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenna, for everything you thank do. You. For Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.